0: The Church of God Network podcast, everybody. I'm here today with Kennard Brown and James Navarro, two uh, good friends of mine. Uh, and I say that having only met James once and having never met Kennard, but still we, we talk enough to to still uh, cross that threshold of good friends. Uh, hopefully mm-hmm. we can all get together in person sometime soon. Sure. But uh, we're here to talk today about uh, a pretty sensitive issue in the Church of God, and that is one of race and how it has affected the Church of God over time, how it still affects the Church of God. Um, the experience of people in different communities, both in and outside the, the church. Um, it's something that I know I personally didn't realize the magnitude of the issue until the last year or two when certain good friends of mine brought it up to me. Uh, I thank them for opening up. And uh, Kennard and James have been gracious enough to come on and, and, and talk about it. So uh, without further ado, I'll, um, I'll uh, let them talk a bit about their own backgrounds. They're two very accomplished guys. Uh, and you'll, you'll see as they introduce themselves, but perhaps Canard uh, first. Um, tell us a bit about your, your church uh, background when you came in and a bit about your professional background. Sure. Um, I
1: um, God started calling me back when I was 17 years old. I was attending St. Rita High School in Chicago, Illinois, and I took about <clears throat> four years of theology there, and I didn't know that that was going to play a role in what I'm doing now, but it did. And uh, my mom, she picked up a Plain Truth magazine, and she just gave it to me. And I start reading it, and I'm like, man, this makes sense, you know. And and then one of the things that I struggled with was the doctrine of the immortal soul, because, you know, Catholics say that's one of their top doctrines. And I struggled with that, and I realized, hey, I can't deny Ezekiel chapter 18 says, the soul that sins, it shall die. and And Mr. Armstrong, he just hammered that through my skull, basically, when I was reading the uh, his literature uh, that was Bible-based. So um, I said, hey, but I was 17 at the time, and um, I think God really intensified the call after I graduated. So after I graduated from- You
0: Chicago, right? We're yeah,
1: Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, Chicago, yep. Illinois. And he intensified the call after that, and I was going to the University of Illinois at Chicago for two years, and uh, he really intensified the call. To the point where I had family issues and my family didn't understand why I'm and, and this kooky religion and so forth. <laughs> yeah. And so it got to the point where, you know, my dad uh, said, hey, you want to have to make a choice. Either you give up the religion and start keeping Sunday or at least celebrate Christmas, because I don't understand why you don't want to celebrate Christmas. Or you, you go with your cult and you uh, have your cult folks pick you up and start your life there. And so I chose the latter. And so I had this poor family from Gary, Indiana, come and pick me up. And I began my adult life at age 21 with practically no money in my bank account. I uh, had me a little part-time job uh, working at the University of Illinois. I'm still trying to go to school. My dad was helping me out. but dad, he cut, the, he cut the help off there. And because of the religious uh, disagreements and uh, it was tough, it was really tough. And what kept me going is Matthew chapter six. Toward the end of it, uh, seek you first, the kingdom of God, and all these things would be added to, I I, I don't know, I think I may have gone over that every day, uh, going through the trials that I was going through. And
0: and the day irony day. is that uh, you, you have like a, a bunch of degrees now, right? I mean, how many degrees? Yeah, yeah, now,
1: yeah, so God, I gotta, I gotta, order uh, me, and let's, let's talk about the good news, so, yeah. so that's why I talk about the bad news first and show you what God did for me, uh, because he does promise when you forsake mothers, fathers, or whatever, he's going to bless you in this life. And sometimes I forget that (laughs) he'll bless you with this life, not just the next one, but in this life. And so he did. Let me show you. And this is not bragging. This is what God has done through little old me. All right. And so uh, I originally pursued a degree uh, in computer science and that got all messed up because of the religious squabbles with my dad. And so um, what happened is that I was able to get a bachelor's degree in management um, and then I was able to get a master's degree in marketing. And then I got a doctorate degree in business administration and a master's degree in IT. And I'm teaching for Purdue University, their global division. It's a prestigious college. So this is what God has done for me. All right. And he'll do I that. I want to
0: make sure you bragged a bit. Like I it's it's yeah, well impressive, I'm I'm bragging. About, yeah. I'm not bragging Brown. Yeah, yeah. I'm showing
1: that that God can work miracles and he is not a liar. And if you do what I did. Anyone, I don't care who you are, what color you are, what you look like, what gender, he's gonna reward you. Okay. And I'm a living example of it. And I still have trials, I still have problems. Uh, but in addition to that, um I, I'm still amazed and I'm in men, I never thought that I would be a minister, but that happened in a weird way that I'm writing about, you know. Um, and uh in addition to that, I own a digital marketing agency. It's all remote. And then I teach for Purdue University and also I tutor um student athletes from Texas Christian University. And I and I really uh, get on okay. the football team now because as you know what's going on with the with the football <laughs> this year they're not do it as well. So okay.
0: <laughs> anyway. well I Good. when I when I start scouting players for the NFL draft, if there's anyone from uh <laughs> UCU that I, I want the inside scoop on, I'll let you know Kenar But okay. yeah, I can find out. I could yeah. One, one last thing, though. You you also have a, a ministry, right? Merciful service. Yeah, merciful
1: God. service of God. Right. And I've had that. Um, that's another story altogether. But I, I uh, what happened was that this is unique too. Um, I um, got kicked out of the Philadelphia Church of God. You know, Gerald I Gerald.
0: You were in you were in Philadelphia for a while. Yeah. yeah, I
1: was in Philadelphia. Right. When 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 that debacle happened in 1995 with Joseph the Sr., Senior, um, I didn't know where to go. And so I said, okay, I guess maybe God wants me to start my own ministry, you know. And, and I started in March of 2004, and um, I've gotten a lot of experience uh, in ministry. Uh, I got into the Hebrew Roots Movement, and I found out that it's a discombobulation, basically. <laughs> and uh, th- there's some good people, though. There's some good people that actually believe what we believe in the Hebrew Roots. Mm-hmm. And it's not that many, but there are some. But the majority of them, they're, they bring in Sunday elements into it uh, to the point of where it perverts what they're trying to do live by the word of God. And so um, I had to leave that. And then from there I started getting back, well, let me get back to my roots. Let me get back and try to associate uh, with some splinter churches that are actually (laughs) same. you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so my goal, really, the vision of my ministry is to try to work together and and be unified on the things that we do agree because there's many things that we do agree about. And I think the biggest thing with my ministry is that I prefer to go in more to the hebrew part of it not in a fanatical way but in the way to understand the scriptures better so that's
0: canard yeah. and mercy and service to god yeah. are, are big allies but, but, too, for unity and certainly i would be lying to say
1: i'm not a church of god splinter church because i am
0: yeah it's <laughs> so. well, you're, you're a big advocate for for unity and it's much appreciated oh, yeah. 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 yeah but uh right. so so james how about you uh someone of equal uh accomplishment I, i'll brag for you guys if you're not going to do it yourself but uh but james <laughs> what uh tell us a bit about your background
2: Sure, sure. Uh, well, I came into the, the church uh, back in uh, the early 1980s, and uh, it was with Worldwide Church of God. Uh, I was baptized uh, February eleventh, 1986, and, uh, you know, continued growing in the church from that point to this date. I'm now in the United Church of God. Um, as far as my background, uh, I'm licensed by the state of California. I own a company called Wiseman Construction and Remodeling mm-hmm. Incorporated. I've been in this industry 20 years as a licensed contractor, 45 years uh, in the industry overall. Um, And I am presently uh, on contract uh, with the state of California, where I come in and I create tests for general contractors, those that Mm -hmm. want to be licensed general contractors. Myself, along with three other contractors, we come in and and, uh, on the times they need us, and then we create these tests to kind of you know, kind of go through and sieve out, you know, people who don't really have the real experience because, you know, sometimes that goes on out there. People will, you know, sign for other people, um, Mm -hmm. maybe not always being truthful about their experience. So this is how we kind of weed them out uh, with these tests made at the home office. Um, That's part of uh, what I do. Um, That's that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. And and I I I
1: forgot to mention that um, yeah, I was baptized October 19th, same year you were, but it's October 1986. it was a good I'm year. A party, but the,
0: uh, the Giants won the Super yes. Bowl that year, so that's held that, yeah. that a a big place in my heart. But um, and also James, <laughs> uh, another another factor is perhaps we could have gotten uh, your wife to host a podcast and, instead of me. You yeah. know, she, she works for the London School of Economics, which is really prestigious, and Ooh, she hosts yes. uh, podcast, So yeah, a, a whole lot of interesting background between these two guys and their and their uh, their families. But on that front, um. To get down to the core of it, you know, we've been talking a lot as we've been planning the podcast about uh, trying to communicate to folks in the church, the extent to which uh, race played uh, a part in the interactions in the church, to what extent did it cause issues? Because um, as we know, for, for any issue, if it's in the world, it's going to creep into the church Um, yes. and, and probably to an equal extent, right? It's part of the human struggle is navigating things. And, and attitudes and I, I know from my own experience that there are some folks who uh sort of have a, some rose-colored glasses um views of the church as it is now or uh the way it used to be on the the part of or on the side of the the racial issues not to paint everyone with a broad brush in this conversation but i think sharing experiences is something we care a lot about at church God network and so we want to start off uh doing that with you youtube So perhaps, James, first, if you could tell us a bit about what it was like coming into the church and being in the church as a uh, Latino man.
2: Well, uh, thank you for asking that question, Dan. Uh, Back in the 1980s, I was, you know, in my early 20s. uh, And at that time, or later 20s, mid-20s, sorry. I I wasn't raised in the church. uh, But while I came into the church, uh, one of my experiences that uh, that made me see that, wait a minute, maybe things are a little bit different here uh, in this perspective. Uh, I felt that I was adhering to God's calling, uh, coming amongst my fellow brethren, uh, sharing with them, growing with them. But in this period of time before I was baptized, I attended uh, what they called an International Day, and that was held in uh, Oakland, California at that time. Uh, it was the San Francisco area church at that time. In any respect, uh, I came to attend. They had a dance. Everybody was supposed to dress in their international garb and uh, come, you know, come in and enjoy the festivities with each other, which was great. Uh, but uh, I looked around the room, and uh, I was single at that time, by the way. And uh, in any respect, I looked around for people to dance with. And I looked over in the corner of the hall, and I noticed there was um, black ladies that were in the corner by themselves that nobody was asking to dance. And so I thought, I'm gonna go over and ask him to dance. So I did. And I started dancing with him, having a great time, fellowship, you know. And uh, at one point, I then broke off to go to the restroom because I was sweating, because I love to dance. So as I was wetting down my face to get rid of some of the perspiration, uh, as I look up in the mirror, there's these two men standing behind me in, uh, you know, suits and uh, very nice, you know, uh, and said to me, can we ask you a question? I said, sure. They said, what church area are you from? And I said, well, I'm I'm from San Jose. I, Why, what's going on? And they said, well, are you, are you a baptized member? And I said, well, not just yet. I'm being counseled for it, though. And kind of was curious of why they were asking me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at that point, they said, well, we need to talk to you about something. And I said, what is it? And they said, well, you've been dancing uh, with the African-American ladies. And, um, you know, it's our policy not to do that. And I said, mm-hmm. what? They said, yeah, we don't encourage that, uh, that you shouldn't be doing that. And I said, really? But why? They said, well, when you get back, you know, to your home, San Jose area, you know, speak to your local minister about that. And they, they could probably better explain it to you. Just as um, an
0: interjection right there. Yeah. That statement is something that very much bothers me. Like they should have been able to if if it's policy and something they believe they should have been able to tell you themselves. And I, right. I don't, I don't mean to make a joke, but maybe it's because they were jealous how good you were at dancing. I mean, you said like you yeah. messaged me on Facebook <laughs> and you're like, I was a, I was like a champion dancer back in the day. So maybe they were <laughs> jealous, but, uh, but in all the seriousness, like, you go on and continue.
2: Yeah. yeah. There could have been a mixture of that. Cause I do love the dance. Like I say, but in yeah. any respect, uh, anybody who knows me personally knows that, but in any respect, um, you know, I wasn't trying to be rebellious, but it didn't sit right with me, not as far as even truth before God, not for me, not for me. I said, I don't think God wants us to look at each other that way. But in any respect, I went back in there and I went right back to them and asked them to dance only because I felt what the gentlemen were asking me was you know, truly wrong. Uh, And at the point, you know, I wasn't baptized, but I said, well, if there's more truth, they're going to tell me later about this. I'll figure it out then. But tonight I'm going to still fellowship with my brethren. I'm going to ask these ladies to dance because nobody was asking them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that was one in in a various amount of experience as to what I just said. As I was being counseled, this was before, then I move over to being counseled, had a wonderful man who was counseling me at the time. And uh, before getting baptized, we had our private discussions and he said to me, James, we've been observing you and um, we think that it'll be okay if you date white American women. (laughs) Okay. And at that point I said, what? He said, yes, we feel that it will be okay if you date white American women, we've been observing you for a while. And and so my question to him at the time was, okay, well, first of all, Mr. So-and-so I didn't ask permission, but then number two, why is this? And he kind of had a kind of a dumbfounded look for a minute. And then I said, I have a question to ask you. I said, uh, I'm gonna get baptized soon, right? He says, yes, yes. I said, and you're white American, aren't you? And he says, yes. And I said, I'm Latin American. He says, yes. I said, so when I get baptized, will I receive God's spirit in lesser measure than you because you're white? And he said, uh, no. I said, Then why would that, why is there a difference then if i interact with people of other cultures whether they be black or asian or any culture why you know any culture outside of white why is that a problem he said you know james i i don't make the rules but this is something i needed to talk to you about uh so these were you know true strong experiences and you know i've known of others but these are my personal experiences and then i started to research it and look a little bit more and I realized this was a common thread going throughout the church not only locally at at uh, the congregation I was at it was in other areas why because we go to fellowship And i would talk with other people and uh it wasn't just something in my mind i didn't feel like oh they're just singling me out it was a general statement where people knew that they did not encourage uh interracial dating uh they did not encourage you uh even dancing uh with another culture due to the fact that you know i guess they figured you might develop feelings i don't know um but it was quite um it was a hard experience to go through because you know what you figure you came into God's church. He gave you a calling. It's about his spirit. Your brothers and sisters are in the church, are there to grow with you for the future coming kingdom of God, where we're going to be spirit beings. We're not going to be flesh. We're not going to be Latin. We're not going to be black. We're not going to be white. It's going to be a matter of having God's spirit being God's children. And this is the direction I thought we were moving forward to. But there was a glass ceiling that wasn't always like, told you harshly but you knew it was there and that's just the way it was told and there was you know, so many the other implicit. stories i traveled around the world like others you know on the feast and uh people would speak about this experience of feeling a little bit singled out or dis, uh you know discluded not included in certain things because of our of our race at that time
0: yeah and and i think at there was definitely the implicit nature of those things not necessarily maybe explicit uh like you said a, a cap on um what you could do or or how far you could um advance with it and i think also very much depended on your local minister and and how much they wanted to emphasize it uh the thing i think is worth highlighting too is that number one this still exists in the church of god it might not be as prevalent it might not be as systemic but it still does exist Uh, I've known quite a few people who have similar experiences, specifically around uh, the dances for some reason. Um, My dad tells a story of uh, this is back in the day. This isn't recent, but in the 80s as well, uh, taking someone who was like his church mom. Right. So she's 40 years older than him, but she's a, a elderly black woman. And he was going to spokesman's club graduation and he wasn't dating anyone. So he wanted to take her like as a nice gesture. And he got flack from his minister because he was white and she was black. And it didn't like, clearly this is not a romantic thing. And also the minister in that case was black. So it's one of those things where like it just, it permeated the culture. It wasn't necessarily overtly racist. That's not what we're trying to say, but there was this, like, there was a, um, a belief about what scripture said about certain things that we took from speculation and made it policy, and right. I think there were a lot of unintended consequences um, for that. And it, and it, to your point, James, made people feel singled out. And and I think people need to acknowledge the damage that those things um, can do long term because people put up with a lot, like yourself and Kennard, and, and just in general, people because I think we were all so excited about being in the church and the work the church was doing, especially back then that we sort of um, turned a blind eye to certain things. I know one of the things that my dad talks about was being told you have to get rid of all your rock records when you come into the church, right? And he's like, well, I didn't get rid of my records. But I know a lot of people who did, who just tossed everything out the next day. And you got to admire the zeal to be able to sort of uh take this stuff on the chin, unfortunately, and continue with with the body of people for the sake of unity. But also we have to recognize that it shouldn't be, we shouldn't be putting these stumbling blocks um in front of folks. And before we get to Kennard, to your point, James, um, maybe the three of us could riff on the fact that it seems like the two things folks cite as defending this uh policy is that God set the bounds of the nations. That's scripture. And that uh, the admonitions to Israel to not marry uh, people outside the nation of different uh, faiths, specifically. But but before I even give my opinion on it, what say you, maybe uh, James first, because it was your story, and then Kennard, about those two particular scriptural citations that people use?
2: You know, one of the things I feel about that when God was speaking to the nations and the people, remember, there was a concern about you know, marrying outside of the faith and people of, you know, pagan uh, worship or other things, you know, look at, I mean, it's go so far as that. I mean, look at Solomon, what he did, you know, so in any respect, it was in those bounds of staying within the faith. But when you go back in time, you look at everything, look through the scriptures in Hebrews, Colossians, you can go all over and you'll find where God speaks about even in Hebrews. What does it say? It is no longer circumcision of the flesh. But of the heart, whereby we all cry, "Abba, Father." So I think I think that was taken out of context, and we mm-hmm. have to look back in history. Um, you know, we could probably look for things or messages that were given in the archives that maybe they are just they just might not have been totally factual. Uh, so that's my I, my take on that. God never intended that. And again, we're going to be spirit beings. We're not going to be of any any race. There will be no more marrying in the kingdom of God, and we're going to be there to help people in the future who come out of the millennium, and mm-hmm. um, we're not going to be segregated. Uh, I just want to share this point. To in current date, there are ministers that I know that know that this did exist. They're friends of mine. We talk mm-hmm. now. They're not saying it like yeah, 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 no. They're saying yes, we know it did exist. It did happen. There's one uh, minister I know personally that he actually went a little bit through that because, um, quote, unquote, he's considered to be uh, interracial. It's not black with white, but it's a mixture uh, of another culture. And Mm -hmm. he actually got frowned upon, too. So did it exist? Yes. Is it correct? I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there something we can do now for the future? I believe that wholeheartedly. I think that's why we're talking today. Approach approaches from a, a position of love our fellow brethren but let's identify that a lot of people have been hurt in the church including myself we move forward we love our fellow brethren white to black asian you name it whatever culture we love them but i think this is a a, an issue that we need to to look at and uh, look at it correctly now
0: and correct going forward we don't want to uh yes sir keep hold of of um problematic policies or or not learn from the experiences of folks i mean that's sort of all the topics we cover on the podcast, whether it's addiction, mental health related things, race, like it's to open up uh, a discussion on things to learn and, and sort of help folks. There are a lot of people in the church you God that need help. And a, a segment of those folks are trying to get past experiences uh, recent or, or decades ago regarding race that are still hard to to reconcile. So Kennard, before I throw it to you for um, some of your experiences in the church, uh, any thoughts on those um, those scriptural defenses people have? For I saw you, sure. uh, I saw you sure. uh, wiping without your face being,
1: without being very strict. Yeah. You need to study your Bible a little bit more in detail. Uh, there's in Deuteronomy there's a Torah commandment uh, where um, when they're fighting a war and they find a woman that they're attracted to, that if she chooses, she could, you know, become his wife. Um, the greatest prophet, one of the greatest prophets who ever lived, Moses, he married outside his tribe, right? Uh, Ethiopian, uh, Joseph. Mm-hmm. And then I think the scripture, matter of fact, I know in the book of Ezra, I think it's toward the end of the book of Ezra, remember when they had married paganistic women mm-hmm. and they were told to divorce them? It wasn't because of their their tribe or their skin color, it was because of their religion. That's mm-hmm. what he was concerned about. So that's the the, the proper biblical understanding of that. Uh, when you uh, yeah. compare it with those other scriptures okay sure he wants variety but there are cases where there's nothing wrong with marrying someone of a different type of human race we're all one race but there's different varieties of that race just like with a flower there's different <laughs> varieties of flowers he loves that and so yeah. we, we got to to get into God's paradigm instead of the devil's paradigm of separation and division.
0: I agree. And, so that, and I think it's in, important so, to to note the, mm-hmm. um, that when uh, someone outside of the nation of Israel wanted to become part of the nation of Israel yes. and by extension, their faith that they were to be treated like a native born. So that's exactly very, and it's the same dynamic in the church. Um, right. this, the whole point about the, the Gentiles uh, mm-hmm. coming in and Israel being regrafted. And if the Gentiles can be grafted in, um, exactly. But also the the logical extension about God setting the bounds of the nations, therefore we shouldn't marry outside them mm-hmm. would apply beyond race. It wouldn't be a racial issue It would be, you know, my dad's Italian, my mom's French, they shouldn't have gotten married. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, you made like,
1: perfect sense there. Yeah. sort of
0: like an arbitrary um, mm-hmm. boundary there. But without belaboring that uh, too long, Kennard, what what do you? Uh, how about you? What's your experience um, as a uh, black man in the Church of God? Tell us a bit about Uh, your history and and experiences. one
1: more thing I wanted to add, which is very important. There was a mixed multitude in the wilderness, so I just went ahead with that. All right, so um, my experience as a black, it it was originally good. I mean, when I was, uh, I attended the Southside uh, congregation in Hammond, Indiana, and it was like, uh, you know, God promised that he would give you another mother and even though my mother still stuck with me, but it was difficult because of the religious thing, but she Mm -hmm. still loved me and I loved her and all that. And I love my dad too, but it was a strength. But anyway, um, he gave me father figures and mother figures, grandmothers and all that Um, spiritual, you know, and and for a time it it was nice. I mean, it was nice. Uh, People cared about me and so forth. There were plenty of of lads to fellowship with, but, um there were some girls and they didn't have the same skin color that half the men I was attracted to, but because of the church's policies and this is before I met my wife, of course um I couldn't do anything and I can tell there was frustration there not just with me, but other people in that vi- environment and mm-hmm. it's tough enough to find a mate in the world. <laughs> but when you're in the church, it makes it so much harder because, you know, it's not as many people. And because of that, we gotta understand that we have to view each other as a spiritual organism, uh, not the skin color. Uh, we have to view each other as as the children of God, no matter what skin color we are. And if we can do that, then that'll minimize the frustration. You know what I'm talking about, the type of frustration I'm talking about. Um, and, and that will avoid being tempted to go and marry someone outside. And I'm not giving any names here, but from one of the splinter churches, I've heard a minister tell me that uh, why why don't uh, people just marry someone from the world, you know, to prevent being tempted to, you know, fornicate? And I'm like, um, <laughs> I don't think that's a very wise thing to do. I know in some situations, even the Bible that happened, but there are yeah. exceptional situations. And and uh, the, the preference, of course, is to marry someone that believes what you believe, you know, because that, that would be, you're going to have problems enough being married, but they're going to be aggravated more if you don't believe, if your wife celebrates Christmas and you don't, then it's going to be conflict constantly over and over and over again. So it's best to marry someone of of your own uh, religion. And that that's a conflict uh that didn't really happen too much back during the time when I was in my twenties, but now I I hear that, uh, that why don't you marry someone from, you know, that's not, I don't think that's good advice for any men just to avoid
0: like the interracial thing you're saying too. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, That that you got hit on the nose there, you know, and that's, that's unfortunate. So it's satanic folks. Uh, I I have to just call it what it is uh, just because somebody is a different color then you avoid them or whatever and i even sense that today when i go to certain i'm not giving any congregational names but when i go to certain congregations you have cliques you have the whites uh, over in the corner and you have i mean it shouldn't be that way you know and i know in other congregations not like that but other congregations it is and it shouldn't be in any congregation you know so and, that's and
0: on that front so. too i think what, I, what folks might not realize is it could be unintentional because there are a lot of human yeah. tendencies just to like associate yeah, it could be. people who yeah. are similar to you in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's natural. I think we need to take a step back and realize the impression that gives though. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, I haven't fellowship with anyone who is in, of my race in a while. You know what I mean? Like it's not a, it might be unintentional, but we have to be introspective and, and mm-hmm. realize the impact that might have yeah, the uh, appearance. Right? Yeah, yeah. So,
1: and so we could, you know, we are not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us on this video call is perfect. But we just need to work on that and, and view each other as again in a spiritual type of way, uh, instead of looking at the skin color and saying, "Oh, okay, uh, maybe I need to treat this person different because of their skin color." <laughs> so, so and then you know, James chapter two, we got a whole chapter on favoritism. Most of it, anyway, about favoritism and and so forth. And we got to eliminate that. That's certainly not of of God at all. So, yeah. and, and so that's my view. And and uh and then you know, I I was fortunate enough to meet my wife, and the way that happened, they had an all black dance <laughs> there <laughs> because at the time still they were teaching that, you know.
0: It was explicitly it was explicitly. Yeah, yeah, it was all black
1: people, yeah. All black people at this, and, and it was it was <laughs> I didn't think I was gonna meet my wife, I thought it was a possibility, but yeah, but I met my wife there and it was every and they were single. And so they were all single, uh, young adults, um, and the purpose of it, really, they, they they said, well, the fellowship, but, you know, <laughs> it should be also the purpose of finding a a, 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 yeah. a compatible mate, too. I mean, this is so tough to do that in, in uh, outside of the church, of course, um, the chances of someone being drawn in because of what you're doing. I know it's happened a few times, but. And so um, it is. But I, I was fortunate enough to meet my wife at this, and it was very good that they did that. And I'm sure other people probably got married because of that event, too. It, definitely it, was, I think it was about 300, 400 uh, blacks there. At the, at the, it, uh,
0: it does make it uncomfortable, though, when it's uh, singled out as like a blacks only dance. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Looking
1: back on it now. Yeah, I, that was the only bad thing about it. It yeah. should have been just a single event, but see, they were teaching at that time incorrectly that, you know, if you're black, Mary, black, white, Mary, white.
0: Yeah. And you know, there's a lot of ex- so. extensions of those things, too, that I've come across over the last few years mm-hmm. where. And again, I think it's so. Um, individualized to your area, the people in that area, your your minister, mm-hmm. whatever Um I've, you know, apparently one of the. uh wasn't so much a doctrine but like a a belief that permeated the church. Um at least mm-hmm. certain folks was that uh like blacks would go back to Africa during the millennium and they'd be over Africa uh in terms of yeah it's just like it right. it's it's needless speculation at mm-hmm. best. And at worst you're like again you're you have this tinged uh statement that, that makes it sound uh, again like you're separating people arbitrarily like you're going to go back there uh i've i've had friends tell me they were told by people you know you should go to the islands or africa for the feast to to find a, a woman I'm like man did you not do you not know how that sounds like? uh well, and,
2: go ahead james sorry just to interject on that point i think that's a strong point too because in this perspective Yes, you can go to Africa, and then you're going to find uh, you know, Black people. And yes, you can go to Mexico, and you're going to find Latin people. But I think one of the things we need to look at is what are we doing here in the U.S.? What are we doing in our own country what are we doing to be represented in that perspective right and if you look back at you know if, and i say this in love if you just look throughout your own local congregations just look around and tell me what you see so a part of that is that all i'm saying is that i think here in our own country we can do more to uh, promote representation uh whether it's in the ministry, whether it's in elders, whether it's in sermonettes, sermons, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm just saying that we need to, you know, maybe try to be a little bit uh, better represented in that perspective. We don't need to go to Africa or Mexico and let's take pictures over there and then put in our magazine that it's just kind of we're helping them the, as a brethren there. It's locally. What are we doing? Where are we in the magazines? Where are we in ministry? You know, so these are just some things I'm I'm bringing out uh, and I'm saying in love. So, so I hear what you're saying, but I just don't think we have to go to foreign countries. And as a church, we have the ability to do this. Um, one thing I w- I'll say, uh, and I'll final it on this note, is that when we all came from the worldwide and we went to our splinter groups, everybody went somewhere, right? So even if you had other splinter groups that came later, some of that mentality and thinking from before just kind of moved on over to the various churches. So, you know, did it get worked out or not? I I don't know. Was it tradition that was taught to uh, some of the people in the church? You know, you still got what was happening from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and then we split up in 1995, and then everybody goes different direction. Where did everybody in those positions of leadership go?
0: Mm -hmm. And could
2: it have just been innocently just— gone ahead and just transferred into again the splinter group so i i think you know that's something to consider and i think we're we're just here to discuss it today on a level of it's existed before it's still here now but we want to move forward in love and fellowship and figure out how you can understand those of us who went through it and that we're still here and what we need to do to grow with you yeah
0: yeah the the other thing too on that front is even just the asking of the question, for example, like, because I think a lot of different splinter groups have different um, makeups in terms of, uh, you know, age related, uh, uh, ethnicity related. Um, mm-hmm. And to a certain degree, you'd expect, you know, variation just based on random chance of where people went. But I think it should if, if you are in a congregation in an area of the country where there's a lot of diversity and there isn't much in the congregation, that becomes, okay, well, that statistically, you wouldn't think that would be the case. Or if you look at a, the ministry as a whole and you see an underrepresentation representation as compared to what might happen just in, by chance, then asking the question, well, why is that the case? Is there something going on? Like, th- is there a reason more people of a certain uh, race went with this group rather than that group? It, it feels like it's worth understanding, even if the conclusion might be, okay, it wasn't driven by racism, maybe it was something else having like being curious about it should at least uh be happening you know what i mean it it should prompt a, a question of huh why isn't there that much diversity is there something we can do to be in communication with those communities maybe there's a bit of information we're missing a perspective we're not uh seeing more information never hurt anyone i don't think um but uh, so on that front, maybe to transition to the to the next one, I we we've talked about a couple issues that are um, important. We talked about uh, dating and marriage uh, interracially in the church. We've we've referenced uh, representation a bit here. Uh, the maybe the the biblical views or, or verses used to promote some of this, but I know there were a couple issues that we all talked about in the planning calls that are topics of points of um frustration not only for us uh but for other people i've talked to especially and the, and one of those big issues is the way the church of god handles politics and political issues and the fact that when we get real explicit or take taking a side uh, of a political issue there can be some racial undertones uh depending on how we handle certain things Kennard, do you want to speak a bit about that i know it's something we've talked about in the past
1: yeah, I, I'm under the biblical understanding that you know there's rare cases where we should get involved. Like, say for instance, that in the Columbus, Ohio, they want to put pornography bookstores all over the place, and uh, that's an extreme example. But I'm just trying to make myself clear. And and we are to vote whether or not that's supposed to happen. I'd be one of the first ones voting. Okay, <laughs> in that situation, no. Okay. So that's cool. But as far as who's going to be the president and going back, it just turns me off. It's just it's not I looked at the political debate between Kennedy and Nixon. It was so respect. You should take a look at it if you haven't. They were so respectful of one another. Uh, healthy debating. Today, there's no It's slandering It's putting people down and pulling getting uh, their skeletons out of the closet type of conversations. And it just turns me off as not of a God. So with that said, I don't think it's something that we need to, to, to focus on as God's people, the political landscape at this point.
0: I I'm so, also like, for yeah. example, when I know the last handful of years, especially there've been a lot of racial tensions in the news mm-hmm. and you have um, experiences where, because whether it's, Uh, uh, BLM movement, what Mm -hmm. was going on with Kaepernick for a long time, uh, even certain things regarding um, police overreach that you don't, you don't even need to agree with someone's conclusion, but I think the church of God has tended to be overly dismissive of certain things. And I know talking with brethren, black brethren in particular in the church, there was a a woman who's probably around my age, maybe a little bit older, but she has a young uh, son and The the son asked her, and this is not an uncommon experience uh, to my knowledge, is what happens? Like, I'm afraid to get pulled over by the cops. Now, whether you think that's a a media creation or it's real, like you have to understand it's a reality for a segment of the brethren that that's a fear. And I think we can when we are so politically driven, which I think the church of God, unfortunately, has become, at least in certain corners, you wind up accidentally at best creating this feeling that, like, well, my experience as a Black or Latino person or uh, whatever other ethnicity we're talking about is somehow something I can't talk about because I'm in the vast minority of of thinking on the subject. So more in terms of uh, that, I guess. Like, have you, maybe James, if you want to speak to it. Yeah.
2: I just wanted to say that from that political perspective, when the pressure in the church was going on, I mean, everybody saw what sometimes what affects the world will cut, creep into the church. Right. So I think during that period of time when we we're going through these political issues and some people are saying we should talk about not talk about it. But people were expressing on uh, social media. Uh, I was quite surprised at some things I saw, like, you know, people like you got to stop the borders and, you know, the people coming from Mexico and, you know, but it, they were very, you know, uh, very upfront about it. And uh, I was a little bit surprised, uh, you know, so I think there was pressure like that brought into the church. I will, I want to speak to this point also from this perspective, what affects the world and what affects the church uh, during this period of time when this was happening, we're talking now in the 2000s, just within the last couple of years after Sabbath services, I was dressed in a suit. I was in Walnut Creek, California, walking across the street and I hear somebody yelling, have some tortillas, have some tortillas, literally, as I'm crossing. And all of a sudden I look to the right and they threw corn tortillas and hit my shoulder. I I know that sounds ridiculous, right? And they fell to the ground and I look over and it was like these three college-age students in a Mustang facing a light. And I look over and the people coming the other direction too were like in shock. And I was thinking, you know, I realized what happened. Now, I'll be honest with you. I did come up to the vehicle and speak to the gentleman inside the vehicle. Told them that wasn't a good idea. You know, I expressed my thoughts. I really did. And uh, you know, they were a little bit frightened at first, uh, you know, trying to have the Christian approach. But at the moment, I was really hurt and angry. I'm thinking, here we are, look what the you know, the time we're at. And I've got guys throwing tortillas in. So I think there was a lot of, I think there was mm-hmm. a lot of political pressure and racist things going on outside the church. But when I would see it on social media sometimes too, I would think are you brethren really being considerate? I remember hearing a very good sermon from, uh, from John government. Elliott and uh, it was called uh, how do we treat the foreigner? And it was to your guys' point earlier. It's like, we're to treat them like family, people within our church and people outside of the bounds that step into it. Right. So uh, that came back to my mind also, but uh, yeah, I, that was some of my experience during that uh, you know period of time, politically speaking and, you know, people in the church were putting on hats for presidents. And, you know, I just was like, I was just sad to see that turmoil. But it did creep into the church a little bit, I think, so, too.
0: Yeah. And I think, Canard, I think what the three of us talked about, but I think, Canard, you and I in particular might have. But um, I know a common, to continue on this issue, a common phrase is to lament, oh, um, America is going down the wrong path. I wish it was like it was. Back in the day, usually some sort of vague uh, statement about back in the day. People usually don't give a year, uh, a time span, but I don't think that that statement's inherently racist or anything, but you have to understand how that comes across to folks and you have to understand how um, not only insensitive, but also like off base it is because you are being very self-focused when you say that, because what you're saying is, okay, I don't lament what I I don't like whatever uh, homosexuality being prevalent and transgenderism and progressive policies whatever. So let's, Oh, I grew up in the fifties or sixties when this stuff was great. Like, okay, but you can't just cherry pick what existed and what didn't. Cause also you wouldn't be able to fellowship with a good chunk of your brethren. If in the 1950s and sixties, like there would be legal issues, you wouldn't be able to go to a restaurant together. Like, there was real oppression and to make that statement so flippantly this to mm-hmm. the human reality, that was the case. And I think we, the to the church's credit back in the day, uh, we were, we were pretty good at emphasizing mankind can't govern itself. We will not have any hope until Christ returns and, and God's government's in place. Whereas I think we've, we've leaned a bit um, to political sides lately. And I think the racial component is a, is a, Um, unfortunate side effect where there's a lot you get some racial animus um, because of that not necessarily intentionally but it causes that and i've also heard anecdotally and this is probably a topic for another day but brethren Mm -hmm. overseas whether it is uh south america africa australia europe doesn't matter any any other nation what they have the feedback which has almost been universal is we don't really relate to the material that you all put out in terms of like print material and a lot of the the public facing stuff because it's so american politics heavy it's like it's a it's very focused on the social climate in america the political climate in america the talking points are similar when in reality we should be speaking to the the universal condition of man and the problems facing mankind right tremendous human uh physical advancement but appalling human evil and one of those appalling human evils is racism and bigotry um so i, I think that's something we could work on as a community uh but but canard do you have any thoughts yeah i, I want to add for those
1: who don't understand what Jim Crow is, um, educate yourself on, it. I, I recently did, you know, I, I kind of minored in black studies, but I didn't go into detail about it. And it was horrible. It was horrible for black Americans. Uh, but let me talk to you know, about my Latino brethren, they, they've been persecuted, uh, Asians have been persecuted. So it's not just a black thing there, there's unfortunately, again, this satanic, you're different than me, then I'm going to treat you differently type of sentiment uh, exists in this world and in this country. And we got to repent of that. And another thing I wanted to to add in regards to, to blacks, my experience about blacks, I forgot to mention, but it's very important. Um, what I, I spoke to someone else that's a part of the splinter churches, and they told me that several of the blacks in the South they stuck with it when that happened, when the apostasy happened back in nineteen ninety five, and so they stuck with uh, you know the original teachings uh, by the Worldwide Church of God, but my experience in the northern part of the united states in particular in illinois a lot of them left and they went back to uh the sunday churches so i just thought i i I would add that in there and and perhaps you can do some further research on why that has happened and and another thing i wanted to mention um i've talked to some some black individuals They're, they're open to talking to to white women and so forth but uh there is a They have not been able to make any progress. So that's the reason why they may go and pursue black women because of that. So I just wanted to mention that it's not because they don't want to explore that option. It's just that there's no any, there's no reciprocation in regards to that based on their experience. You know, those are the ones that I've spoken to. It may be the opposite from what you've experienced, but that that's just based on my
0: experience. So. No, I've I'm pretty universally my, my peers too. Um I think it the mm-hmm. again uh, so much of it is dependent on where you're located the group you're yes. sampling, the minister and exactly. whatnot. and right. you can have very different experiences within the mm-hmm. same organization uh, a couple towns apart. So we're, we're trying not to paint a universal brush but it does still happen right. I guess um
1: in certain so, areas, that's all right. So, yeah, for, for it wasn't that opinion. all the blacks just left. I said that before; I was wrong right. about that. It's just that in certain areas they did. I know in my area they did, in other areas they didn't. So, I mean, there's the the truth of the matter is, not that many mm-hmm. uh, and, minorities. And I, know,
0: I know some folks who my family was close with uh, who went with the changes, and mm-hmm. uh, not a small amount of them cite uh unresolved pain around the race issue as one of the yeah. more factors and yes. again yeah i know that's no excuse for abandoning truth but i think mm-hmm. we want to we want to remove unnecessarily unnecessary stumbling blocks from people and we don't want to i mean conversion is hard enough as it is uh life throws enough at you there's no reason for us to arbitrarily add more uh yes. that burden um but uh I think to to migrate to, to conclude here to desired outcomes and solutions would be, would be helpful. Um, sure. I know in my experience, it really, a first step would, I would say, talk to someone about it. And I know it's super, I it could be super awkward for folks. I, I don't get awkward uh, that much or around many things, but for the average person to broach an issue like hey, I want to hear your story, what was it, you know, from perspective of someone of your particular ethnicity or race, like, t- tell me what maybe I don't understand or a perspective I haven't heard, like, encourage your friends uh, to open up to you about that is a good place to start. But um, maybe Kennard first, and then James, what would you say some uh, areas we could progress in are? what What solutions would you like to see?
1: Uh, you want me to start first or yeah okay uh, you know I, I I've called this scripture before <laughs> i just worried I'm gonna do it again this time and get it right first Corinthians 12 verse 25 it states that we should all have the same care for one another Mm-hmm. You know, in another scripture I want to add Acts 17, verse 26, we all come from one blood. My blood, when I cut it, is red, you cut it as red, you know, because the oxygen hit is blue originally, but when the oxygen hit it, then it turns red. So that's that's the way we all come from one blood. So we gotta all start acting like that. I'm saying that as nice as I can. We have to start believing those scriptures. Those so scriptures are there. Um, and then we talked about black representation as far as leadership. Um, that's that's certainly a work in progress. Um I hope that uh those who listen to this take it serious and, and work on that. And and then uh we you know as far as I know some of the organizations they have budgets uh where they could market to uh certain minorities to bring them bring them more into uh the churches. I know I try to do it with my little budget, but <laughs> I don't have millions of dollars to do it, you know, and, and that's something that uh I'm sure I know whoever listens to this, uh, they know who I'm talking to. Uh, you have the budget to be able to do that, to bring in more um, minorities, because God wants a mixture. He wants to say he has mixed multitude in the wilderness. He wants it to, in the spiritual wilderness today, he wants that mixed multitude as well. And so that's that's something that I think in a succinct way uh, provide solutions there. Uh, but it all yep. starts with us having the same care for one another. That's and the problem. that's foundation. a
0: fantastic point, because I think one of the things, and again, Human beings in general just do this for anything, right? Like I was talking to someone about mm-hmm. um, doing work overseas in the church and how there are complications within this one particular nation, even though the same race mm-hmm. and ethnicity, but one's from a town up North and the other's from a, a town in mm-hmm. the South. And there's a lot of animosity. So we we do everything in our power to, to build barriers between people, but in the church not only the same care across race, but like, I think we could do a better job across generations. Mm-hmm. But there isn't uh, as much, um, mixing across generations that as I know I would like to see I just listened to a message yesterday from one of the groups about the mm-hmm. need for more of that I completely agree with um I think uh, obviously church God Network is big into uh having the same love for one another across organizations I just oh, think definitely. bringing down arbitrary barriers mm-hmm. uh, is helpful whether it's race organization generation provided we're all in the same body, right? We're not saying go to your Catholic church and and start looking at every single person that like they're in the body of Christ right now, but we have to have a particular orientation to folks within the body in a, in a, the same love for one another. And even when we look outwardly, we should be looking at people as future uh, potential sons and daughters of God. So I, I agree wholeheartedly that at the core, it's truly seeing one another, um as equals uh james what do you think
2: locally where i attend in the bay area because i live both in london and the bay Area of california but in the bay area actually churches are working with each other they really are they're interacting um locally we have a young minister he's he's great at uh promoting togetherness fellowship (laughs) so so there's things are coming you know coming in place Uh, but what i'd like to see in the future if we can i think what helps the healing is that you can talk to us about it. You know, Don't make it uncomfortable like, oh, we can't talk. You know, It really existed. Uh, just like if there was another type of thing someone else needed to heal from, some kind of hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to be able to talk about it. You just don't want to bury it and act like it wasn't there, didn't happen. Because uh, if you face it with each other as brethren, you say, okay, culturally speaking, you're hearing me. You're listening to you. We're both of God. We're his children. But at the same time, you need to hear where there's just something a little unfair. So feel okay about speaking to us about it. And if we can voice it to you, then maybe you can take a different perspective on what we're trying to say. Uh, nobody's here to speak, you know, in a wrong manner. We're just here to talk in love uh, regarding that. So I think some of the things will help in the future. As I said, uh, a little more representation in the magazines would be helpful. People of different colors in there. Uh, I think sermonettes, sermons, you know, given by a mixture of people, and also council of elders. I know this is a little hard to say this, but if you you have a mixture of being represented, then you feel like you're still a, a bigger part of that church. And I think we'll see growth in that area if it's promoted also in that way that we're open to everyone. So that's uh that's my kind of end perspective on it and i i hope that everybody sees that this is given in love and uh, we're, we're reaching out and we're just saying we've been through some things that have been very hurting even spiritually hurt your hurt your spiritual life because you feel like well oh, am i am i really that less is there am i different uh, is there some is god trying to let me know that yeah you're okay to hear but then right here it stops for you so look yeah. at it from that perspective and look at us reaching out for love and look at us reaching out
0: healing it's a it's the to your to your point it's a type of uh sort of type of gaslighting because you're not seeing the love of god shown when uh you're being separated in any way based on race or or any sort of uh dividing line if we if we treat people differently because they're part of a different organization um uh, racially or whatever the the dividing line is it's we experience to an extent uh, God in our relationship with him and and his word through interacting with brethren. And so when you have these negative experiences, it's, it's, it could be, the hurt could be magnified. And I like your point, James, that it really is no different than anyone who's gone through something particularly difficult. Um, We've been uh, scheduled to have a, a podcast with a woman who lost her daughter. And the idea of, extreme like trauma people who have suffered loss you know uh barely early death traumatic death the one of the things people lament universally is that people don't know how to talk to them about it and so when when people do come over usually the conversation isn't productive or the statement isn't productive or it's sort of like dismissive like they just want to get past it because it's an awkward conversation but i think folks who've gone through it really want to have meaningful discussion on it again whether it is uh, the racial experience, whether it is loss, whether it's um, an accident that's left you paralyzed or the, uh, dealing with cancer, right? Like all these things, uh, mental health issues is another big one, addiction. The It's important that we don't disincentivize talking about these things because these are the core elements of the human experience. They're sources of pain, but also potential sources of A lot of growth and a lot of um, connectedness when we can talk about these things like they're they're intimacy builders Uh, so I I appreciate you two coming on and and talking about this openly I'm sure this is just the the first of a number of conversations we're going to have on this topic this is definitely not one of those uh, one and done types of uh, issues this is something that has to be a, a consistent conversation there's so much to dig into but uh, I really appreciate you gentlemen coming on and, and sharing your experiences and, and being honest with everyone. We really appreciate it.
2: Well, thank you so much for, for having us. And uh, I hope that all our brethren receive this in, in, in love and just concern. Thank you.
1: Right. I just wanted to say this that, you know, in the scriptures, it states it's not good for man. And that Hebrew word for that is Adam, mankind, to be alone. And so uh, even the Surgeon General had a recent report that he wrote about. The seriousness of people in this country being alone and and we're the church of god we're the people of god and certainly in the church we should have solutions to solve that being alone whether you want to get married or you just want to have friends or you just want to have a family environment so that's something that we certainly are equipped to solve so i just wanted to add that thank you gentlemen
0: thanks everyone for listening and watching take care